0: Welcome to CMO Insights, the podcast series. I'm your host, Jeff Pedowitz, President and CEO of the Pedowitz Group. Today as our guest, we have my good friend, Megan Eisenberg, who is Chief Marketing Officer of Lacework. Megan, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me. It's good to see you.
0: It's good to see you too. Uh, I'm so thrilled I was able to get on your calendar because you are a busy woman. You uh, manage, uh, you're on a couple boards, I think, and you got the CMO gig and you're always moving.
1: That's the only way to do it.
0: Absolutely. So, uh, tell tell me a little bit about Lacework and and why you made the move into cybersecurity.
1: Yeah. So, as you said, Lacework's in the cybersecurity space. We're helping our customers stay secure from code to cloud. So, as they're building and running their environments, we help them uh, detect anomalies and threats. Uh, and um, you know why did I move into cybersecurity? I mean, it's one a massive addressable market. Every company on the planet needs to protect their environments, and as we move more workloads to the cloud, it's more important than ever. And uh, so, massive addressable market. Uh, That is growing year over year. I think it's crowded, but it's a great place to uh, differentiate yourself. And I think it's a great challenge to be able to position the company against our competitors. And we have a great product. We've spent a a lot of time building and innovating, and we've invested a lot in our engineers. And uh, it shows. And it shows through our customers and what they're, they're doing with the product. So it's an exciting space.
0: I think every marketer relishes when the product is great and sells itself because it's that's a lot a lot easier, right? Then I, I, I'm sure you've probably had a few products in your career, maybe that weren't as great and you had to really roll up your sleeves.
1: I've been fortunate. I mean, MongoDB was an awesome product. TripActions, now Navon, awesome. Lacework as well. Uh, but yes, it's part of the criteria. When I look at joining a company, I look at their customer reviews. I want to know that their customers love it and are fanatics. And then my job is to get more customers aware of what that company and the product's doing.
0: So, And that is awesome that the product is great and you get those customer reviews. That always helps a lot. But you did mention the the environment that you're competing in is crowded and there's a lot of competitors. So how do you as a marketing executive cut through that clutter? What are some of the things that you're doing?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's important, one, starting with your customer and the persona that you're targeting and what they care about, what the why is, and truly understanding how you differentiate yourself and then leading with that uh, is, is extremely important. So focus on those customers, show the innovation, and look at it differently. I really learned a lot at TripActions because we we didn't want to do traditional legacy travel marketing. We wanted to really think about it from a consumer traveler standpoint, and we pushed ourselves to be okay to do what everyone else is not doing and to look at it differently and to have a little fun with it and be more human and not so rigid and formal. And I think there's a lot of room for that to do more modern marketing in security and cybersecurity space. Don't be like all the others. It's boring. Nobody wants to read it. And so can you look at it just that much differently and come at it with an edge that gets people's attention?
0: Do you think people still are reading anymore? I mean, there seems to be so much content out there and people are now on TikTok videos and they have the attention span of like five seconds.
1: Yeah, the goldfish attention span, right? right. <laughs> I think six. Um, but you're right. I mean, I don't want to sit there and read pages and pages. I want the information right away. I want something that captures my attention, solves my problem, is easy to implement. And, you know, my peers are talking about it. It's making their lives easier. So you're right. I think... Long form content is rough, unless it's an architecture guide or a how-to guide, like you're already bought into it. Um, You know, I think that's fine. But I, I try, I'm trying to move away from content syndication and stuff like that. I just think it's not the right way to capture your audience.
0: What are the right ways?
1: Right now, I mean, tough environment out there. Certainly, I think everyone's uh, tightening their grip on their wallets, so there's not a lot of inbound. You've got to go fishing. You need to be very targeted. So certainly, uh, account-based marketing tactics, direct mails, uh, intimate setting events, where it's you and a few of the C-level execs that you're targeting, building relationships. I think you've got to be out there at the event that they're at, certainly. Uh, but I don't think people are coming inbound, you know, hey, I need to buy a bunch of software. You need to be compelling. You need to have the why and be very targeted.
0: With the events, have you seen a rebound since the pandemic?
1: Definitely a rebound. I mean, we've been at reInvent, RSA, uh, a lot of the security activities we've got reinforced down in Anaheim and Black Cat and others, but yes, certainly vendors and buyers are back. They prefer, I think they prefer more of the wrapper events. So dinners, coffees, they're there. So if you want to meet with them, give them a comfortable environment. I do think the show floor is noisy and and it's a great home base, but then walk somewhere else and have a nice conversation or, you know, get a meal together.
0: So how do you balance your budget then with digital channels, technology, the in-person events, which are still not cheap.
1: That's true. They're not. I mean, there's a lot of negotiating going on right now. I think when you're looking at technology and you're, you're looking at the events, I mean, I think it's just being smart and targeted and then getting the most out of every spend. Don't do too much. Your sales team can only invite so many people to so many things. So, you know, go... All in on one or two things, and you know, if it's an event, set those meetings up ahead of time. You should get a 100, 150 meetings before every event even starts, because that's what's going to turn into business. It's a the event is a forcing function of people coming together, but getting their time is the most important. So I think that's part of it. If digital's not converting, cut it. If content syndication doesn't convert, cut it. Go after these uh, very direct, um, knowing your audience type activities.
0: How long do you give something to work, Megan, before you know it's not working?
1: Well, I'm always looking at the activity, and it depends on your sales cycle, right? I mean, you give it as long as, I think, an average sales cycle, and then there's some leading indicators. So you have to monitor the leading indicators. Did they get a meeting? Did the meeting turn into a demo? Are, you know, Where are we progressing on the funnel? Uh, is it in forecast or not? And tying that back to either source attribution or, if it's highly influential, to understand it, but we do go back. At, you know, We're looking at every campaign, but then every quarter we're going back and looking one, two, three quarters back so we can make an assessment. And when you're going to go into the next event that next year, you can always look back and see how did this event work last time? And am I doubling down here? What can I do to do differently to have a better event?
0: That makes a lot of sense. You've been in technology for as long as I can and I've known each other a long time. Do you think we have too much now, and I mean, or do we still need more?
1: Well, I mean, I think there's always room to innovate because the baseline technology is getting that much better. You know, and I think about MongoDB and what it's doing and the app space and the amount of data that you can access and scale with, you know that didn't exist pre iPhone. So there's a lot of technologies in the last decade that are so much better than before. And I have to believe now, of course, with AI trend and everything that's out there and just smarter apps, and the way we interact with technology, uh, we'll continue to buy new technology and people are going to look at it differently and they're going to have access to information and data that will make them that much better at it. So I don't think we'll stop buying it, but we do need to keep assessing it. Every you know, every year you should be assessing your your tech stack and sunsetting. You look, We look at usage data. Are we logging in? Are we looking at it? Is it netting results? Is there a return on investment? And so we'll constantly evaluate. And I want to know who the champion is. Are they still a champion of it? Do they want something else? Okay, what are we sunsetting that we're not using? Uh, Because the worst is to have too many; you can't digest it and even get use out of it. So that matters a ton. And then ranking your technology because you know in these environments we're we're having to cut stuff that's just not making it as far as the return that we need. You know, two years ago that return might have been okay, but right now it's not. And so we need to reflect on that. And then whenever I'm at these events, I'm always talking with other. CMOs and VPs of marketing. What are you using now? What are you seeing? And I do still take vendor you know, calls to look at new tech to see what they're doing. I think also part of being an innovator in a crowded space is you try new technology that gives you an edge. It doesn't always work, but you have to be willing to take the risk to try new things. And if you're the first Two, three, four, five companies to do it, and your competitors aren't using it, that's an advantage. And I've, I have found that over the last 20 years by trying the new technology that's out there, I've gotten an advantage over my competitors.
0: Can you um, cite an example of where you, you took a risk in, on a new tech and, and it worked really yeah.
1: I mean, it's an older one, but it c- came to mind uh, when I was at DocuSign, Twitter was just doing ads. Where you could do promoted ads and nobody else is doing that, and everyone thought, well, that's a consumer technology. And we ran demo ads, so we started finding gr- groups and followers and like groups that we wanted to target. And we we would in a month had a thousand leads come off of just targeting. Even like we were in uh, Salesforce's App Exchange, so we would follow their anyone that follows Salesforce and their App Exchange. Uh, those are companies that are targets for us, so we would put promotions against those lists and we would have folks signing up uh, and doing demos. And even you could follow your competitors, followers, so you're trying to capture their customers. And and so that was certainly an example of one. We did a lot of things with LinkedIn, had new ways to get in front of their audience that we kept testing uh, in the early days. Uh, but yeah, always trying to find Conversica was one that we did with MongoDB, it was awesome automating SDRs. So um, love that it allowed us to scale. And we had a lot of noise. We were open source a million people signing up a month. So how do you, you can't put a million leads in front of your sales team, but you could do quite a lot in front of Conversica, and it could communicate and find out, is this really someone who's ever going to buy, or do they want to use free open source forever? So just those sort of technologies that come up are cool. Is
0: there something out there now that you're dying to try?
1: Oh, gosh. I mean, certainly all the direct mail vendors that are out there that are, you know, we've got just different ones that allow us to do it international as well. And when we went into COVID, we tried, you know, you had to go online. You couldn't just send direct mail to someone's office because they weren't in the office. So then right. you were emailing and getting them to opt in. Um, but yeah, we have a pretty uh, healthy, I think over 40 technologies in marketing here at Lacework. And so there are some just personal, cool personalization tools that are out there.
0: So in today's environment, what do, you, what do you think are the hardest things? I mean, you, we see challenges, of course, each and every year, but what is it about 2023?
1: Well, I mean, I, I definitely think people aren't buying right, in tech, so you've got to be very compelling. You have to give them a reason why now, and you have to show the ROI. And so I just feel like there's so many more personas involved. You know, we're selling to the CISO and security and developers and DevOps but the CFO is a big part of that. Whether they're gonna sign off or not, they're heavily involved. So you have to have compelling reason, business cases for the full chain, obviously procurements involved. And it's not that the CFO wasn't always involved, but I just think, you know, everyone says money's not free. It's, there's a much more, there's much more rigor around buying software. And and so that's just part of it. You've got to nail all these different personas to get it through the sales cycle much faster.
0: So given that, I'm curious how you might have solved this problem. So, you know, we we have attribution models, whether it are, so it's multi-touch, single-touch, but almost every company I know, that first name that gets attached to the opportunity, that's the source, right? And so how do you then attribute to all the other people you're marketing to if they don't get added actually to the opportunity, if it's just that single person? How do you cross-tabulate that?
1: Yeah. I mean, we we have full circle um, set up and full circle insights. And so we do have a pretty robust attribution model and we've got uh, alignment with sales and finance because you've got marketing, sourcing, and influencing. You have your SDRs, you have your sales team, you have your partner team. And so it, is, it can be a lot to track, but if you set it up right and you have the right rules of engagement and you have the right you, know, multiple tri- you You need to be able to put multiple trips through the funnel. You need to be able to have a period where it went through the funnel, but nothing happened. You close that out. And then when do you uh, open it back up again as they become active? So we have a pretty sophisticated um, business rules around attribution and tracking it. And we're using the campaigns module and multi-touch. And so I would say I understand it's a tough... It's a tough thing to put in place, but you need it. And I think a Lacework team has done a really great job figuring that out so we can tell what's working and what's not working.
0: Nice. And what would you tell the the, the marketer who would wish they had have those tools and they don't have them? Where do they start?
1: I mean, at the basic lineup with finance and sales and how you're going to do basic attribution and rules, um, I would say have that discussion. You know, I think it's important to put out there that It's not about getting credit. It's about understanding your budget and where to put it. And so you have to be careful that you don't put marketing against sales. Nothing gets through to close one without going through sales. And frankly, it doesn't even usually get, unless you go through your qualification team, your SDR team. So you're not trying to take credit away from them. You want them to to trust you to put the budget dollars in the right place. And the only way you could do that is if you know if you've sourced or you've got attribution tracked correctly, then I can go, okay, we should do this event, or okay, we should do more direct mails or more surveys, because I can see the data. So we need to have um, that set up accurately and trusted and never pit them against each other it is important.
0: You know, I, it's interesting that you mentioned that because I think that was one of the unintended consequences that came out of the whole generation of marketing source revenue, marketing source pipeline, marketing attribution, is it created an unintentional conflict with sales because marketing is yes. definitely trying to prove what it was doing versus what sales was doing it versus them doing it together.
1: Yes, and actually sales should want marketing's help if if or even an SDR is going to do outreach and they're going to use a phishing lure, which is a direct mail piece to open the door, you know, marketing is going to help curate that, we're going to give them the emails around it, we're going to fund the direct mail, but yeah, they're going to send the email out or they're going to make the call. And so it is a, an important partnership.
0: It absolutely is. So I know you are constantly being sought after by companies and by people for your advice and your input. Uh, What would you say that the top two or three things are that people ask you about?
1: I mean, I would say top is how to build out a marketing organization. um, How the team is structured. How do you measure? You know, you know where to put budget. How do you measure it? Should I have a PR firm? Should I have a comms person? Is this newsworthy? Pipeline, of a lot of questions around building consistent pipeline, uh, relationship between marketing and sales. How have you built that successfully? Yeah, just, you know, a lot of things around people, process and technology.
0: All tried and true, right? I mean, <laughs> it's kind of there all the time. Yes. So you have had a, a tremendous career. If you were to reflect back and talk to a younger version of yourself who was just starting out, what advice would you give
1: her? I mean, the advice... I would say is one, know your craft, be really good at what you're doing. And so read as much as you can, network, learn from your peers. Uh, So that would be one, just like really dive deep and be an expert at what you do and go out of your way to be the best at it. I think that's one. Two, work hard. You know, there's there It. it, you want to be the best at something and you want to show what you're doing, work hard, put the time into it and learn and be there, deliver on what you've been given, but do more than that. I always, in my career, yes, my manager gave me, hey, we need these top 10 things, but I would always be listening, trying to figure out what else I could fix. I'd get those 10 done, but then what else could I do? And I would say the third thing is uh, don't be too busy the folks that are running around saying they're too busy, they don't get more projects and they don't get promoted because they haven't mastered their existing role. I can't promote you or give you another project if you're always saying, I'm busy, I'm busy. But if you've mastered it and you've taken on and you do your 10 things all of a sudden I go, oh, well, maybe Megan can take on field marketing. Oh, maybe Megan can take on the website or technology. If I can give Megan more, now all of a sudden she has a bigger role. I'm promoting her. And so I would say figure out how to get it done, which some of that is experience and mastering the skill and uh, being productive, right? As we get further along our career, we can make decisions faster. We move faster. We can take on more. And so, all of that is, is, you know, those kind of three things is what I'd be thinking about as I was moving up in my career.
0: Excellent. Uh, very well said. So, um, great to have you on the program, Megan. Good to see you again. As you. always, your insights are brilliant and so easy to see why you're
1: so successful. So, thank you. Thank you for having me. You bet.